0: I hope you noticed the title of my sermon this morning. I'm going to preach a sermon entitled The Sin of a Man After God's Own Heart. This morning I speak to you about this man who the Bible describes as a man that had the heart of God, Uh, that man called David. Uh, It's recorded in the book of, of, of 1 Samuel when God chose David to be the king, that after Saul, after he had decided that he needed to remove Saul as king, Saul was a king that did whatever he wanted to do, followed his own heart, and God says, I want a man who will follow my heart. And so David was that 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 man. And in chapter 11 of 2 Samuel, we read about a sin, and I think the sin, you could use that word the to describe it, of this man after God's own heart. And it's a story that most of us know well, because unlike human Biographers, You know, if David's biographer was a human biographer, they probably would not have included this event in the biography of his life. That's what makes Bible biographers different than any other biographers because uh, they tell the whole story. And the sin that David committed, uh, that we're going to talk real briefly about this morning, is a sin that's, that's in full display. God does not try to cover it up. God does not try to hide it. He puts it right out in front. He talks about it so that we can learn from other people's mistakes, that we can learn from this sin of David. But you you know the story. Uh, David commits adultery with Bathsheba. She's the wife of one of his soldiers. Not just any soldiers, but a small group of soldiers known as David's mighty men. Uriah was one of those mighty men. And he, uh, he, he commits uh, adultery with Bathsheba. She gets pregnant. In order to try to cover up his sin, he calls Uriah home from the front. He's fighting with Joab, David's general, uh, against the Philistines or the Amorites and, and he calls uh, 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 Uriah home thinking that if Uriah would come home and he called him home under the guise of giving David a report on how the battle was going, but David had in the back of his mind if Uriah comes home, he'll go home and be with his wife and nobody'll know it was me that got her pregnant. Well, Uriah was, had so much integrity, he said after he got home and gave his report to David, Joab in the armies fighting the Amorites, I am not going to go home and be with my wife while the army of Israel is at war. And so he slept at the palace door. He did not go home. Of course, that foiled David's plan. And so the next day he got him drunk and said, If I get him drunk, he'll lose his integrity and he'll go home and be with his wife. Well, Uriah got drunk, but he didn't lose his integrity. He slept at the palace door again. David says, I got to do something else. And so what David did is he wrote a letter to Joab, his general, sent it by Uriah, and it was Uriah's death warrant. The letter said, put Uriah in the heat of the battle, in the place where the fiercest Amorites are. And when you put him there, withdraw the rest of the army and let the enemy kill him. That's exactly what Joab did. Uriah was killed by the Amorites. And and, and David said, okay, now I've got my sin covered up. Now nobody will know that I committed adultery. The problem is, we may think we can cover our sins from other people, but we can never cover them up with God. God knew what happened. He sent his prophet Nathan to confront David with this sin. We read about it in chapter 12. That's what their passage from chapter 12 was about, where Nathan said, David, you're the man. God knows your sin. Now, there's a lot of things that we can learn from this story. That's really not the main points of my message, but there's a lot of things that we can learn from this story. David sinned, first of all, because he wasn't in the place that he should have been. His place was with the army. He was the king. He was the commander-in-chief. He should have been on the front lines with Joab. He was home in Jerusalem. Oftentimes we sin because we go places we know we ought not to be. We, get in, we, we, we are in places that are not pleasing to God that we as Christians should not be. Another thing we can learn from this story is that David sinned because he kept his eyes on something that he shouldn't have been looking at. You see, he, he, he was up on top of the palace. He saw this beautiful woman taking a bath as a As a man after God's own heart, he should have turned his head. He should have averted his eyes. He should have taken his gaze off of Bathsheba. But he continued to look at her. Oftentimes, Satan brings something wicked across our eyes. We as Christians should turn our head. We as Christians should shut our eyes. We as Christians should not stare. And too often, we sin as Christians because we keep our eye on stuff that we shouldn't be looking at in the first place. When I was a kid, my pastor always said, "Can never stop a bird from building well, you can never stop a bird from landing on your head, but you sure can't stop him from building a nest on your head." Satan may tempt us, but we ought to brush those temptations away and move on in our life. David sinned because he kept looking at something he shouldn't have seen in the first place. David sinned because he asked about something. He pursued something he shouldn't have. He said, who's this woman? He had his servants find out who she was. And then he invited her or commanded her to come to the palace. He brought sin into his house. Instead of fleeing from it, like Joseph did with Potiphar's wife, he brought it into his house. Often, we as Christians sin because we pursue it. We think we can handle something when we'd be a lot better off if we ran from the temptation that Satan has brought across our path. Listen, if you never take that first drink, you'll never have to worry about being an alcoholic. If you never puff on that first cigarette, you'll never have to worry about being a chain smoker and succumbing to lung cancer. If you never take the first pill or the first shot, you'll never have to worry about being an addict. I mentioned it last week. Sin, sin, sin always takes you places that you don't want to go. It always keeps you longer than you want to stay, and it'll always cost you more than you want to pay. That's what sin does. It certainly did for David. So here's my message. I have five quick points that I want to make this morning. And I know I'm almost out of time. So you've got to listen in a hurry. Because I'm going to preach in a hurry. Number one, anyone can sin. And everyone does sin. Anyone. Look, David was a man after God's own heart. He was a man that, it doesn't mean that he was perfect or faultless. It means that he sought the will of God and tried to do what God wanted him to do. That's what it means when he had a, a heart after God, uh, he was a man after God's own heart. He sought God's will. He wanted to do what God wanted him to do. I mean, he, 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 God pointed him to be king. He was a good king, he was brave. He was, uh, he was noble. He was, he was a generous person. Look at what he did to, 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 uh, to uh, Jonathan's son, Mephibosheth, when he brought him in. So he was a generous person. I mean, and, and yet David, David committed this sin, which I think is one of the most vile sins that's recorded in the bible that any man could commit against another man or any man that could could commit against god he yielded to that temptation and, and, and he sinned now listen you may be here this morning and you may be a good person you may be kind you may be helpful and you may be generous to others but i'll tell you something this morning you're no david and if david can sin so can you if David can sin, so can I. In fact, we have. We have sinned. The Bible says there's none righteous. No, not one. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. You see, our standard is not a man who had the heart of God. Our standard is not David. Our standard is the Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, the embodiment of all the glory of God. And every single one of us compared to him come up short. We are sinners. Anybody can sin. Everybody does sin. Number two, God holds every person accountable for their sin. If you think God was going to overlook somebody's sin, you could certainly put David in that category. I mean, he served God his whole life. I mean, he, 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 as a little teenage boy, he killed a giant. He led the nation of Israel in defeating the Philistines when he was just a teenage boy. He became the king, and he was a good king. He did have a heart after God's heart. He he sought out the will of God, and he tried to do exactly what God wanted him to do. He made one mistake, one sin. And you would think if God would overlook anybody's sin, it would have been this sin of the man after God's own heart. But God doesn't do that. He doesn't overlook sin. He doesn't excuse it. He doesn't try it try to cover it up. God held David accountable for his sin and God will hold us accountable for our sin. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. The Bible says sin when it is finished bringeth forth death. So anybody can sin. Everybody does sin. God will hold us accountable for that sin. Number three, the reaping comes later. We, we sin. Nothing happens in our life. We say, huh, I got by with that. Nobody knows about it. God doesn't know about it. God didn't do anything. Listen, the reaping comes later. It did in the case of David. David committed adultery. He had a son who committed adultery. Not with one of their soldier's wives, but with his half-sister, David's daughter. He had another son, that followed David's example when it came to murder. This son just didn't kill somebody in the army. He killed his half-brother, David's son. And just as David rebelled against God, just as David, a man after God's own heart, rebelled against his God when he committed that sin with Bathsheba and Uriah, so he had a son that rebelled against him. That son who committed murder came back And rebelled against his father. Tried to take over the kingdom from his father. Tried to kill his father. You see, the reaping comes later. We're not going to get by with sin. There is always a price to pay. The Bible says, be sure your sin will find you out. The Bible says, we will sow what we reap. And we sow sin and we will reap the wages of sin. If, if you've never been saved, if you sow sin, you will reap the wage of being separated from God forever and ever and ever and ever. Number four, God in his mercy offers forgiveness. God forgave David. Now David went to God. He said, God I've sinned against man, but in truth, I've sinned against you. He wrote in Psalm 51, the psalm that, uh, that we have that records David uh, plead with God to forgive his sin. He wrote in Psalm 51, against thee and thee only have I sinned. And David went to God. And he said, God, I, I, I ask for your forgiveness. I beg for your forgiveness. I want the joy of my salvation back. I want you to restore the joy of my salvation. David didn't lose his salvation when he he sinned with Bathsheba and Uriah. I mean, if you think when we sin, we lose our salvation, you would certainly put David in that category. Adultery, murder. If somebody was going to lose their salvation because of their sin, David would have certainly lost his. But David didn't pray to get saved. David said, I want the joy of my salvation back. You see, one of the things we lose as a Christian when we get into sin is the joy of our salvation. Sin does not please God. Sin disappoints God. Sin in the Christian's life tears the heart of God out. I mean, it makes him weep. And, and, and when God weeps, the joy of our salvation is gone. And David said, I've got to have it back. God, I know I've sinned. I've sinned against you. I've dishonored your name. Forgive me. Amen. And when David asked, God forgave him. Now, it didn't stop all the reaping that came later. I mean, I think God forgive, forgave David for his sin uh, before uh, his son raped his half-sister. I think God forgave David of his sin before his one son, Absalom, killed his other son, Amnon. I think David was forgiven by God before Absalom rose up in rebellion against his father. David was forgiven of his sin, but he still paid the price. He still still reaped what he sold when he, he sinned. But in his mercy, God forgave him of his sin. And God will do the same thing for us. Now make no mistake about it. Don't leave this place and think that because God offers forgiveness that God doesn't hate sin. God hates sin. And God will hold us accountable for our sins. But in his mercy and in his grace, he has provided the payment for every sin of every sinner that has ever lived and walked the face of this earth. On Calvary's cross, every sin was paid for. Everyone. Everyone. Jesus left heaven. He lived among us. The Bible says he was tempted in all points like as we, yet without sin. And he went to that cross that Brother Wendell sang about a moment ago. The old rugged cross. And when he hung on that cross, God put every one of my sins and he put every one of your sins on his sinless son. And he suffered on Calvary what we should have suffered. He paid on Calvary what we should have paid. Every sin of every sinner was put on Christ on Calvary. And he paid the price. And because he paid the price of every sin, God can offer to every sinner the gift of forgiveness, the gift of life. He can offer to every person the gift of salvation. Number five, God will forgive you. God will forgive you. For God so loved the world, yeah, he loved the whole world, that he gave his only begotten Son. Put your name in that verse. Make it personal. For God so loved me. For God so loved me that he gave his only begotten son, that if I believe in him, I'll never perish, but have everlasting life. God did that for you. He'll forgive you. He'll save you. He won't save you because of the good things that you do. He won't save you if you join a church. He won't save you if you get baptized. He won't save you if you take communion. The Bible says that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by him. You cannot work your way to heaven. You cannot work and get God to forgive your sins. It is a gift. If in any way you had to work for it, it would not be a gift. And it's not of works, the Bible says, lest any man should boast. God offers to every person this gift of salvation. And all we have to do is come and take it. Come and take it. The Bible says, But as many as received him, Jesus, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Now, I know most people here this morning, the large majority of people here this morning, you've already done that. There was a time in your life where you told Jesus you knew you were a sinner that there was a penalty for that sin. You believe that when he went to the cross, he bore your penalty, and you trusted him, and you asked him to save you. Some of the things that we talked about David are things that we as Christians need to pay attention to because if we're not careful, we'll get into sin just like David did. And so I, I don't regret, never do, preaching a sermon like this. To, the, to, to, to mostly Christians, because in the Bible there's always something that we can glean and help us live the life that God wants us to live. But here's the main reason I preached it this morning. I thought there might be somebody here who was still in their sin, who still sat under the condemnation of their sin before Jesus Christ. I thought there might be somebody here that's never gone to the cross And ask for the forgiveness that God purchased there through the death of his son. I thought there might be somebody here who God would bring to this place this morning. For the very purpose of hearing the gospel. And the Holy Spirit would work in their heart. And convince them of their sin. And show them that Jesus is the only hope they have to get that sin forgiven. That may be you. I don't know who you are. I don't. But God does. God does. And the Holy Spirit right now is speaking to you. He's saying, hey, you need to listen to what he's saying because it's true. You're a sinner. There's a penalty for that sin. Jesus paid the penalty. And The only hope that you have is to come to him and trust him. If that's you, if that's you here this morning, would you do that? Would you come to Jesus Christ? Would you ask him to be your Savior? I'm not asking you to join the church. I'm not asking you to be a Baptist. I think both of those things are pretty good things. That's not what I'm asking you this morning. I'm asking you to look at your life, to realize that you too are a sinner, that God's going to hold you accountable for that sin, but he's already, already provided a way for you to escape. And that way is the Lord Jesus Christ. Would you take it this morning? would you? In just a second, we're going to stand. We're going to sing a song. I'm going to invite people to come forward. If you're here and you've never received Christ, you come. I'll have somebody take the Bible and from the Bible show you how to ask Jesus to be your Savior. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for not hiding the sin of David, but putting it out so that we can see it and we can learn from it and we can be called to live a Christian life that would please you. I pray, Father, for those that are here that don't know what it is to have their sins forgiven, don't know what it is to be part of your family because they've never received Jesus Christ as their Savior. And so I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would work on their heart right now. You would show them their sin. You would show them the penalty for that sin. You would show them the price that Jesus paid. And this morning, you would help them decide, yes, I'm going to take Christ. Yes, I'm going to take the gift of eternal life that he purchased for me on Calvary. Yes, this morning, I'm going to receive him as my own. I pray that you would help every single person who's never made that decision to make it right now. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would, again, just work in their hearts and call them to the Savior. And I ask all this in Christ's name. Amen.